Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Well, by 2030, Asian countries will account for 70% of global fish consumption. This is according to a forecast by the World Bank demonstrating the dominance of seafood in the Asian diet. But the depletion of fish stocks and negative impacts of overfishing on the planet and concerns are growing and have been for several years now, which is why we talk a lot about... (laughs) sustainable seafood, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of restaurants have started to serve that. But what about plant-based seafood options? Manuel Bossi, Group CEO of Growthwell Foods, joins us now to talk all about this. Hi, Manuel. Yes, I can hear you. Yes. All right. Manuel Thanks for Bossi joining is us. With us now. All right, uh, Manuel, let's start with uh, the key drivers of growth for uh, the industry. And how is Growthwell Foods meeting uh, this growth in plant-based seafood? I personally haven't tried any plant-based seafood myself. Okay. Uh, look, when you look at the industry overall and the key drivers of growth, um, there is a demand story and a supply story. The demand story is uh, really about uh, growing interest from consumers into health and wellness and sustainability. And uh, we've seen that these are the two major drivers for plant-based food globally. Mm. And when we look at seafood, obviously there is, we have seen in the last few years, more concern on overfishing. Uh, we know that if you continue in the same way by 2050, probably 90% of uh, the fisheries will be depleted. Uh, so we need alternatives, right? And this kind of um, trends uh, are really now speaking uh, to consumers. So that's a demand story, right? There is a consumer demand for more sustainable uh, alternative protein. And there is also a supply story, uh, which is becoming very, um, you know, very relevant these days uh, with the news we are seeing also from Malaysia. The, the supply story is the Asian emerging middle class. So by 2030, uh, you will have 1.4 billion people, particularly in Asia, that uh, will increase their socioeconomic status and they will want to eat more protein. And we know that if we use the traditional wave of animal protein, where we know that 80% of agricultural land is already allocated to livestock, we are unlikely to meet that incremental demand. So you have also a potential supply constraint uh, driven by this demand that is creating really a a case for alternatives and more sustainable ways to produce protein. And that's where plant-based food comes in. And in terms of growth, well, um, really we are a Singapore company that we have been in this space for over 30 years. Uh, We are really focused on seafood. Seafood is one of the categories that we have a lot of experience. And you would be able to try our fish fingers Happy Fish Fingers that we launched at the very end of last year in, um, you know, if you go to supermarkets like NTUC. And, um, you know, you will see that they they taste and they smell like a real fish. Uh, if you were to do a blind taste, it would be not so easy to, to, to see that these products are made of plants. Mm. The thing is, Manuel, we've been talking a lot about plant-based meats lately and seafood as well, of course. But there is a school of thought that we would be better served if we focused on sustainable farming techniques, precision farming and sustainable seafood instead. I mean, industrial farming these days yields cheap food, but it's harmful to the environment. And we've been paying artificially low prices for food all these years. Perhaps we should just get used to paying more for sustainable options as that is 
is the true cost of food, isn't it? I mean, this could encourage people to modify their diets, to in fact eat healthier, real meat in moderate amounts and real plants and real seafood that is sustainable, not highly processed plant-based meats or seafood. What, what do you think of that? Well, I, uh, certainly we, uh, we need uh, different ways to tackle the problem, right? So there is no one single solution or a single ballot. And obviously sustainable farming, sustainable seafood is something that is welcomed. Um, but uh, I wouldn't uh, agree with you that plant-based food is highly processed. Uh, if you look at what goes into our product, for instance, we use ingredients that are very natural. We use, for instance, for our seafood, a, an ingredient called konjac. It's a very popular ingredient in Japanese and in um, Korean cuisine. It's very low in calories and very high in fiber. And there isn't necessarily a huge amount of processing that uh, that goes in that. Maybe that's a perception that, um, you know, we need to continue to educate consumers uh, to, to uh, about uh, our product and what goes into our ingredients. Mm, I think there is a perception out there that in order to get it to be of that realistic seafood texture, you've got to process it several times. So you're saying that's not true? Uh, I would say that there isn't any major artificial processing that goes into our product. And I would kind of reframe maybe this comment in if you think of it that way. So what is the processing today that transforms uh, soy into beef. The processing mechanism is a cow, right? So it, there is a process that goes into that, and that process is very inefficient. Consider that only 3% of the feed that goes into a cow gets transformed into beef and therefore into uh, human nutrition. That's a very inefficient way of using soy. 98% uh, of soy today is used for um, uh, animals, for feed, and that's really what's causing deforestation. If we want to use soy uh, as an ingredient for uh, human nutrition, deforestation wouldn't really be a problem. So it really depends how you look at the, at the problem. Mm, hi, um, Manuel Tientian over here. I've been to one of your factories uh, in Sunoco months back, and I remember seeing that high uh, moisture extrusion machine and all the yeah. composites used to make the plant-based meat and all that plant-based yeah. salmon. Uh, to a layman on the ground, is that seems like processing, right? So take us through how is the process less uh, processed uh, compared to producing maybe other types of meat, other types of goods, in terms of additives, perhaps? Yeah. So high moisture extrusion is a novel technology, and we are one of the few mm. companies in uh, Singapore with that technology. And we invested in that technology precisely because we want to make sure that our product has the cleanest label and the lowest possible amount of additives. What, what goes into that uh, machine, uh, if you want, is heat and pressure. That's it. And it's the heat and the pressure that basically creates the textural uh, change mm. in, uh, uh, in the protein, making it kind of look and, and uh, I would say have the same texture of, of meat. Mm. So it is a process, but it's not a process that includes additives or includes um, mm. any, any, any artificial type of ingredients. We basically take, and to make it very simple, a soy protein, soy protein powder, uh, we add some, some, some natural flavors. It goes through the pressure 
and through that heat, and it comes out with a texturized um, and, uh, for example, a, a chicken line or a fish line. So you're right to say that there are processes involved, there are items put through to make them into the product as it is, la. Right, as per the manufacturing of all other products that we have, that we see, it is a manufacturing process. Mm. Yes, of mm. course. Uh, mm. As you know, we were comparing it we to eat, fresh, uh, Manuel. We were comparing it to fresh when we started asking you questions about processing. So the fact is, so there will you, always be people what, out there who will say that fresh seafood is so much healthier. It's also got omega three fatty acids. It's got all these nutrients. So what yeah. would you say to all of these people that you know the unprocessed fresh seafood food is so much better than something that is plant-based in a factory, even though at the end of the day, it's quite realistic and the texture does feel like real seafood. So I would say the following. First of all, uh, if we look at wild, um, you know, uh, wild seafood, there is an overfishing problem. And and I think that's a very common knowledge Mm -hmm. uh, out there. If you look at farm seafood as well, there are a lot of problems with farm seafood. You have antibiotics. You have issue with the environment is not really very sustainable. So I do agree that we should uh, encourage, um, you know, more sustainable uh, form of seafood farming. But to come to your point to omega-3, that's a very, very interesting point. Uh, we also have a seafood product, a salmon product uh, in our range, uh, mm-hmm. which is called salmon flakes. And we did add uh, algae, uh, so plant-based omega-3. And we actually have 2 grams, 2% in that, which is higher than what you would find in farmed salmon. So, so I mean, these days, I think technology has got to a level where we are able to create uh, natural tasting products that are very similar to the real thing. And of course, might not be a, 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 no, a perfect substitute, mm-hmm. but I think is, um, you know, when you taste it and when you see the environmental benefit that you have from, uh, uh, you know, Trying this diet uh, once in a while, uh, I think, is worth considering. So, so you brought up a couple of interesting uh, uh, things here. So it's a process, um, but based on a human ch- having to choose what to eat uh, between a fresh one, a fresh fish, for example, and a, pro- uh, a plant-based fish, which you know you put in things in there, maybe good, maybe not so good for us. How do we? decide which one is better for us or do we want something that's better for the environment on an individual level? So again, I wouldn't uh, say that we put things in there that are not so good for us. But at the end of the day, when you look at why people globally, and is, uh, you know, we call these people flexitarian. Flexitarian are not people that are completely cutting seafood or, or meat, right? Mm-hmm. Flexitarian are people that once in a while, they try to move into plant-based. The number one reason why, why, why they do that, why they switch to this diet mm. on, uh, on a weekly basis, is health and wellness. So the, the, the main reason is that you're doing something good for yourself and you know, look at uh, how beef has been connected to cancer, look at the level of mercury that you have in tuna. I mean, if you look into that, you will see that, uh, you know, fresh seafood is not necessarily the healthiest thing for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you're doing something good for, for the environment. Manuel, I do appreciate that you said it's got to be a multi-pronged approach. And you said this when I brought up the fact that perhaps people should just change their diets, be educated more about having a balanced diet instead of demanding meat and seafood, which fuels industrial farming. And it does rob the oceans of 
marine life as well. And it does mess up biodiversity. So my point was, shouldn't we work on educating people about these things, helping them change their diets, making sure that food is indeed a little more expensive so that they can moderate their intake of things such as meat and seafood, which are lacking or which are very detrimental to the environment if farmed industrially. So where do you think the alternatives that you're talking about and that your company produces fit into that equation and that dynamic as we move forward and as people become voluntarily just more environmentally conscious? Uh, Look, we have seen a tremendous demand uh, for our products in the market uh, and for several reasons. Uh, One reason is that you don't have a lot of these alternatives, right? So if you want it because you're interested in, in sustainability and health and wellness, you want it to try a fish fingers made of plant or a calamari ring made of plant, uh, you you would need to naturally try happy, right? Because there are no alternatives there. So in growth well, we basically have a very simple objective. We want to nourish one billion people with affordable and nutrition plant-based alternatives. And we're spending a lot of R&D and a lot of research in making sure that not only our products are extremely tasty because taste at the end of the day is the main thing. I mean, people might uh, be interested in sustainability, but these low alternatives are not tasty. They're never going to come back to that. So taste is very important. But also they are affordable. And we have seen lately a huge increase in prices. And we also have seen that from a food security perspective, and I think the Malaysia chicken ban is is quite quite relevant at this stage, uh, we, we need alternatives, right? We cannot just rely on the existing conventional methods. And we believe that plant-based food is one of the alternatives that we should be looking at. Okay, one last thing I'm very interested to know, Manuel. It is a, a valid point here. Will it be healthy for an, a person to just consume plant-based alternative food, whether it be seafood or meat? Is this sustainably healthy for us in the long run? Or do we still really need to uh, eat in moderation? Have a balanced diet, in other words. I think, uh, I think a balanced diet is okay. always the answer. I mean, whatever you eat, <laughs> if you eat too much of it, I think whatever the product is, uh, is not going to be great. So uh, balanced diet is, is always the, uh, a diet. But we do, we do recommend people to maybe once in a while try this product. That will be a good choice for you and a good choice for the planet. All right, Manuel. Thank you very much for sharing your insights with us. Manuel Bossi is the group CEO of Growthwell Foods, talking about plant-based seafood in our meals. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.